Welcome to Die Hard Minute, the podcast where our Movies by Minutes hosts appreciate the 1988 Christmas classic Die Hard, one lousy minute at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Sean German from Groundhog Minute, the Groundhog Day podcast coming soon. I'm your other host, Dave Palace from Five Minutes of Mystery, and we hit the jackpot. Somebody in your break room, you left wedges. Wedges? Who leaves that in a break room fridge? Oh, man, we got to hit this. Ugh, I know what you mean. Yeah, scored with the uh, the office fridge. And you scored for joining us for Minute 79 of Die Hard. So Minute 79, we've got Post Blast, where John McClane has taken out the third floor, and two terrorists, as our spotters let us know. And he's now having a little uh, little heart-to-heart with Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robinson. So, yeah, so as we start the minute, you know, we have Al. He's updating John about that, you know, he got he got the terrorists. He got what he needed to get mm-hmm. done. Yeah, Dwayne jumps on. And I tell you, whatever meeting Dwayne was having before this talk, he should have kept having because, like, like yelling at the guy is, like, it's so beyond the point. Like, telling a guy who he doesn't, you know, he doesn't believe he's a cop. He doesn't believe he could be a, he could be a terrorist. Uh, but it's just like what John says to him, and we can get that in a hot second here. Is it's just important. It's like your cops are under your. Is it you said kick ass? Like you gave the authority, and there are men dead, and that's on you on Christmas Eve, and and it's all broadcast on national television. Uh, it's like there's no way uh, Dwayne's not going to be working like a beat cop. Like not even a beat cop, he'll probably be on like some uh, beach patrol boat, having to go up and down the coast all day. Like he'll be so demoted. Yeah, I don't know what the equivalent of Siberia is for Los Angeles, but that's where he's working after this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I well, I wonder if, if part of that he's lashing out at John or just lashing out at this voice on the other side of the radio. If you know, he's really upset with himself. If if Dwayne was going to be honest for a moment. Is uh all right? Like, let's just check. Okay, so okay, so Dwayne's talking to two guys in what looks to be like trench coat, like rain jackets. They could be like chief detectives or something, you know, like or or they could be like some kind of yeah. city official guys who have come down to like they came down, see the explosion, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of this. The fact that you're in charge and this all happened. We're mm-hmm. looking at you, Dwayne. And he's like, oh, I got to stop. I got to tell this guy off who uh, he's messing with my plans. No, you're messing with right, your own plans, like the, man. Yeah, the, the FBI hasn't shown up yet, right? It's just the, the locals. Because of this moment, yeah. I think that's so what they're going to go. Yeah, like, so this, this is the moment. The, you yeah. know, these could be like guys from the mayor's office or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely oh, yeah. higher up the food chain, the political food chain than, uh, than Dwayne here is. So uh, – yeah, Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne. Look, his tie's like un unbuttoned and stuff. He's got the top button undone. He's like probably been sweating under these lights for like a couple of hours. These guys come in, and you can tell this guy's nice. He's got the suit, everything's tightened up. He's got nice accountant glasses and stuff. His hair is as as well combed. I think these two guys, yeah, they represent they represent some kind of uh, above above Dwayne right now. Like maybe yeah, like it's almost like what you think the chief would be like, you know. Chief is watching the news at this point. He should be like, okay, I'm going down. Okay. Like, he's just like, yeah, all right, Dwayne's yeah, not Yeah, this doing is it. all going down on my watch, and, and it's not going down easy. It's it's going down hard. And 
kind of what kind of pass it. And, you know, maybe he's I got to imagine that that deputy chief of police worked his way up the ladder. You don't just start, you know, on that level. But he has lost, you know, he, he's lost empathy. He's not he's not connecting because obviously these guys, they don't they haven't seen what we've seen. They don't have the advantage of yeah. kind of getting John's point of view of what's going on inside the building. But but Carl's managed to figure out like, hey, this this is one of the good guys. He's trying to help as much as he can without getting himself killed. But he's on the inside. You know, he's in in the midst of the situation that we're only looking at. And so Carl's got some empathy for for what John must be going through or Roy or whatever you want to call him. But Dwayne here, you know, you could, you know, all right, I understand that I can sympathize with the feeling of, you know, we're here, LAPD, let us handle it. You know, we don't need someone else doing something because it could be a friendly fire situation, could be, you know, John doesn't know what other, what else the LAPD might be doing that maybe they're not talking about on the radio because they know the bad guys are listening in, you know, they just wanted to back off, but there's, there's, you know, bedside man or whatever they're, you know, terrorist matter. There's, there's nicer ways of saying, stand down, let us take care of it. than uh, than jumping in, you just destroyed a building kind of talk. And, uh, but yeah, but him, yeah, him saying I'm in charge of this situation like really is kind of like him signing his own death warrant because, you know, John and Argyle aren't the only ones listening to this, this radio. Like there are, there are not just other CB enthusiasts, but there's probably people back at the station oh, yeah. listening in on this, like on these bands. Cause like when Hans, Hans is probably using the encrypted parts of the radio. Cause you see, he pushes buttons when he talks to Theo and he's probably doing the same talking to the other terrorists. So he probably switched to another channel when mm-hmm. John started talking to Al. Because John's like, I'm using whatever line I'm on to talk with Al. I don't know any of the encryption on this radio. So, but, you know, these are Hans' radios. So he probably was like, okay, everyone, let's all re-meet. We're all going to change the, the encrypted channel this, and we're going to talk to each other. So cops are only hearing John. They're not hearing the other terrorists. And the terrorists are just brought listening to how incompetent the police are. And that's it. Hans is like, I'm just going to wait. Like he doesn't he he he'll talk to, he'll talk to Dwayne eventually, but he's like I'm yes. going away for the FBI. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Dwayne is probably you know he's the highest ranking police officer that night, and they probably sent him you know they they sent him down when this because they said oh he could probably handle this you know this terrorist thing like we got plenty of cops in the area, but you know and they said oh the SWAT he's gone out SWAT all right well and then all this happens it's just like oh, there's no way like he's way too many people have died on his watch without any information. They're going to ask him like, and what did you know about this? When you did that, what did you know about the police? Um, what did you know about the terrorists when you sent guys in? Oh, we didn't, we were coming in information. Okay. So you were trying to, you know, out in the middle of these spotlights, you know, try to have guys break the, uh, you know, try to get into the door, like on these glass doors or you could easily be seen, you know? Yeah. They, they, it's, uh, it's just so, it's so messy. It's like administratively yeah, going in through the front did. door. Like really, front door and, and yeah. everyone and, and, door, and again, yeah. I, I think this, this has been mentioned before on the the podcast. But none of these guys are happy because they're working Christmas Eve to begin with. So you're you're starting from a bad place. They're like, man, we're yeah. not even <laughs> supposed to be here today. 
And then, you know, and then this Yahoo has <laughs> us like trying to pick the lock rather than just breaking through the glass and, um, you know, driving our RV that can barely, it's sitting duck because it can't make it up the stairs, you know, in the front plaza. And then, you know, rockets are going and they're shooting out the lights and it's just bad all around. And then uh, we get a flashback. We haven't seen Argyle in a while. We, we flash back to Argyle in the in the parking garage and he's he's ha- getting a good kick of this as well. So like, yeah. So like you said, every, everyone's listening in. If they weren't before, they certainly are now. Anyone who's got, yeah, back at the station, you know, any of your yahoos that just like to drive around with the police scanner, everyone's going to be tuned in and, and everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. It's and I also like, you know, he talks about the glass, but yeah, it's like he doesn't mention the like, the, the, you know, the, the there's there's police officers there because I mean, John can't see it, but he probably knows that there's like officers wounded down. there. He's probably heard some of the gunfire and probably heard the, some of the screams from up there. It's just it's just him. Yeah. Worrying about the, the glass is like mm, it's bad. Yes. Glass shrapnel is bad, but, you know, the rocket is taken out. <laughs> it's just. And, I, and it's it's like it's like yeah I get it John did a quote bad thing, but this is the police are just so incompetent that he had to get involved. He didn't want to get involved. Like that's the thing about this movie. He gets the police and he doesn't want to get involved. Like he was more than happy back there to smoke them, but when he knew that they were coming in, he knew you know he could smell Han's got a plan for this, and he's probably rolling that back in his head. The whole rocket launcher thing. I got C, he's got C four like. You know, I told these I told these guys they got they have some heavy armaments and you didn't listen. Yeah, and there's yeah, people, yeah, you know, there's cops right. dead. It's just yeah. It's, he he told them from the beginning like these these are not your ordinary local crooks. This is not a smash and grab kind of job that they got. So he, he John tried to tell them. Yeah, you know, that kills me. Why you, you always think about it now? It's like you have Argyle and he's listening and he's laughing in love with the radio. You think why did the police just set the armored car through the garage? Just set it through the, those garage yeah, doors. There you go. Easily take it off. The limbo does. So just armored car, and then yeah, all you have to do is like attach a battering ram, and then you could b- blast one of the, the doors off in the basement, and then work there the guys go. up that way, and then secure the lobby. It's it's one of those things where it's like I'm sitting here, you know, playing couch quarterback police officer. And that just makes well, yeah, so they, much they've more got to be now. familiar. Like this is a pretty, um, this is like a landmark building. This isn't just another office building. This is Nakatomi Plaza. They've got to know, you know, they got plans. They got to know there's a garage at the very least. Even if the, you know, even if the the terrorists, the robbers, whatever, even if they thought to lock the doors in the basement or from the garage, at least you're not out in the open. At least you're covered. You know, you're not going to get. You know, you don't have to worry get, getting hit from a rocket launcher from three floors up. You know, you've got the cover of the garage. Yeah. Yeah. Break in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why didn't you think of that, Dwayne? <laughs> I, I, I also I also put I also I do put a little responsibility on the SWAT commander. He, you know, just said guys in and it felt like he, they were just going in without any real recall. They weren't checking. Right. Yeah, we're checking anything. It's just I don't know. Um, there's a couple. Of, there is a PC game. It's an old game I play called SWAT Four, and I got a mod on it where it's a fan made mod where it kind of updates it and advances some of the mechanics in it. And like the game has like that type of lethal difficulty. Like even with body armor, like you take a burst of AK forty seven, you're gone. Like you're just dead. And it 
it behooves you to, if you're playing with people or you're using the bots mm-hmm. as teammates, yeah. is to like you have to recon, you have to know what you're looking at. You don't just um because like near the end of the game, like the harder levels, like there are straight up like terrorists like take over a, a medical facility and they're armored up, they have heavy ammo, and they put bombs on doors next to hostages. And if you just rush in, you'll alert a bomb and then blows a hostage right. up and that's yeah. it. Well, what hostage is dead, mission failure. And so these cops are doing that and lives could be at stake. And they've and got they someone on the inside. The and you can, you can, shame. you'll certainly make the argument that they're operating from a position of, of limited intelligence. And also it's one of those things like, this is a world where this kind of stuff doesn't happen every day, where someone, where like a crew that's this organized, that is this kind of firepower doesn't step up. So you can kind of forgive the LAPD for not expecting it, but They've got a guy on the inside. They've got someone who can give them this information, who's telling them about the rocket launchers and the C4, who's who's trying to give them a heads up like, okay, you you guys don't know. This, you know, this isn't going to be a by the book thing. This isn't your everyday thing. And they're not they're not they're not taking advantage. They're not taking advantage of the opportunity that McLean gives them by being on the inside. <sighs> It's frustrating. It's frustrating. You, you, you want to like listen to this guy. This guy can help <laughs> yeah, I you. Know. You know, things don't have to go wrong here. Yeah. Um, what do I have? Oh, you know, I have a note here that so um, the the police officer that's been next to Al on that radio, um, the cop there on the left, uh, actor his name his name is Anthony Peck, and McTiernan and the commentary was talking about him and how he like met him at a uh, a restaurant. He said there's a waiter that did some theater work, and he he liked the guy's personality and. Doesn't say exactly what, but I guess is how he got him on the movie. And he said he really enjoyed it. He said that a lot of the extras really liked him because he really committed to his role. Like he was right. talking almost the entire time to himself on a radio. Like he was pretending to coordinate stuff with guys on the radio. So like his voice, they said, like was being recorded at times, like as just background noise. And he was they said he was like at all times, like pretending to like he was writing plans up and he's talking to people and making calls. And um, he said he really liked him. He brought him in his other two films he did, which was uh, he plays another cop in Last Action Hero. And he also and, and most notably, he plays oh. Ricky Walsh, Detective Ricky Walsh and Die Hard with a Vengeance, who's in the same major crimes division as McLean. And he's the one that uh, always bets his his uh, his um, badge number as lottery. And that's when Otto kills him um, in the subway and wears his police badge. John knows the journey. These guys are like German terrorists. Oh, so interesting how that that came around. Eh? Yeah. So he plays he plays two different cops in the Die Hard universe. <laughs> yeah, that's weird that they didn't just have him do. Well, like now, does he have a name or is he just the cop next to? I think yeah, I think he's just Carl like Winslow. Radio man. That's a good question. Um. Yeah. Here, all right, bear with me one hot second. Okay. I had, it's so it's it sucked. I had I had his page up when I wanted to make sure the name of. And let's see here. He recently, I think he passed in 96. So he, he, he just young cop. I don't see him young. Like he doesn't look young because he's already, he, has, like, already, like, uh, he has more of a receding <laughs> hairline than John does at this point. But uh, he's considered young cop. <laughs> I clock him at like late thirties. Cause like, it died oh, at of, least. Yeah. Died yeah. Of vengeance. Let's see. Uh, he's born. He died. Actually. Oh my God. He died at age. 49 so yeah so oh, yeah, so he, young yeah. yeah 
So he was. He was about, yeah, he was mid-40s when he did Die of the Vengeance. And he was like, yeah, late 30s when he did Die Hard. <laughs> well, apparently late 30s oh, is, is uh, qualifies as. Where's your Hunt for October? He was on, he was on the USS <laughs> Dallas. And Hunt for October. On the Dallas, so yeah. Down. Thompson. Huh. So this is what? This is 88. So I'd be 40. That's very late 30s. Yeah. Young cop. Eh, well, I guess you know. Hey, what are you going to do? You call him hard to be considered young. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was just called. I, I thought he should be called radio cop. But yeah, so yeah, so they said that on the on the set he was really cool. He would just pretend that constantly he'd be constantly talking to people and uh, just uh, pretend to talk to himself on a radio. Yeah. Well, there's no you know, there are no small parts. No small parts. Yeah. Everything. Uh, everything's got to do with something. So, uh, so yeah, so Al asks us right, right before we end it, Al asks, he asks Roy, how you feeling? How you Al. feeling? Yeah. How you feeling? Speaking oh, of- I'm feeling pretty good, man. I got, <laughs> oh man. What just, I'm feeling great. <laughs> Let's go to the next minute. Let's get out of here. All right. Yeah. We, we, we've cleaned out this fridge. We'll have to move on to, uh, to the next floor. Uh, but if you'd like to hear more of my lovely voice. I used to do a thing called Spinal Tap Minute with Heidi Bennett of the Cabin Minute cast. And you can find that at SpinalTapMinute.com. And I also do a weekly show called Five Minutes of Mime, and that's at FiveMinutesOfMime.com. And so, Dave, if the nice folks want to hear more from you, where can they do that? Yeah, come on down to FiveMinutesOfMystery.com. I love to talk about the 1999 Ben Stiller comedy superhero film, Mystery Men. Just it's just just a lot of fun. Just having a lot of fun. Um, I put out the episodes once a month, but yeah. you know, just come on down and have some fun. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. And then uh, also come on down to Twitter, where you can find this show at Die Hard Minute. You can also find us on Facebook at Die Hard with the Podcast Listeners Limo, and the main website is DieHardMinute.com. And if you'd like to catch up on other Movie by Minutes podcasts, please visit moviesbyminutes.com. And otherwise, that'll do it for us for Minute 79. Please come back tomorrow where we'll be raiding another office fridge and relaxing in another conference room. And <laughs> and we'll see what's going on with, with Friday in the diehard world. Bye. <laughs> I'll have to clean that up in editing. Kind of that just kind of petered out at the end. Bye. Tell me you got that. I got it, I got it. Hit your heart on Channel 5.